Pitch to Pro is the official podcast of USL Arkansas. This will be our platform to tell our story about the club and the special place that we call home, Northwest Arkansas. This is a journey. We want to bring you along for the ride. We'll share what's going on behind the curtain, help educate the community at large about soccer, our league, and give updates on the progress of the club along the way. Together, we'll explore and unpack our journey to professional soccer, the magic that is NWA, our community, and talk all things soccer from on the pitch to behind the scenes, telling the story of our club. Pitch to Pro Podcast is proudly sponsored by PodcastVideos.com. PodcastVideos.com is Northwest Arkansas's premier podcast recording studio. Equipped with industry-leading equipment, the recording studio and services save you time, money, and hassle. They are dedicated to helping you create, record, and publish high-quality podcasts for your audience. Be sure to check them out today at podcastvideos.com. Hello and welcome to the Pitch to Pro podcast. I'm your host, Wes Harris, Managing Director for USL Arkansas, Northwest Arkansas's professional soccer club. Today we'll be starting at the beginning of our journey as a club, digging into the very early days, well before there was even a whisper about a professional soccer club here in Northwest Arkansas. And today's guest may have whispered it to himself a few times before he finally acted on it. Uh, but here to tell us more is club co-founder Chris Martinovich. Chris, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining me, man. Thanks, Wes. Appreciate it. Uh, before we actually get into the origin story, I'd love for you to kind of give everybody a little bit of background on you, uh, your connection to the beautiful game, and also to Northwest Arkansas and our community. Awesome. I'll do that. Um, I think I have to start on May 27th, 1976. <laughs> now everybody knows Very my specific. age. <laughs> um, you know, I was born in Queens, New York. And the reason why this is important and why I go back to the beginning is because I was born to the son of Samarad and Regina Martinovich. And these are my parents. They immigrated here. At the time, the country was called Yugoslavia. Croatia was a republic of Yugoslavia. Mm-hmm. Now, since 1991, the country is known as, as Croatia. And the reason why that's important is because this is where my love for this game and love for sports really began. Uh, this is literally from the beginning. So we grew up in, in Queens, New York. It was, a, it was concrete, not a lot of farms or fields, um, but I was able to get ingrained into this sport uh, through my dad. It was the first really major influence kind of on my life in this game. And I remember going to playgrounds in New York and, and yep. we would find all the foreigners and my dad would just group them together and he could tell who they were and they had soccer balls and yep. we played, we would play literally make little goals with garbage cans. And I was tell five all over the world, six, seven years old. I didn't know that this is how it was done all over the world. I just thought that was kind of common. And you know, I was young and playing with teenagers and adults and everybody was respectful and had fun, but also competitive. And it was just the beginning of this game really brings everybody together. Like there was nobody who was excluded from that game. If you wanted to play, you could play. Some were really good, like ex-professionals from foreign countries that moved for their careers or their families or just a better life um, to others that were just, hey, that looks cool you guys are doing. Can I jump in? Sure, hop in. And that's how it started. And so... I had no idea. I just thought it was fun. We were playing games. And uh, I remember then as I got a little bit older, I'd go to my father's uh, pickup, not pickup games, but actually semi-pro games. Okay. And these were ethnic teams that joined together 
<clears throat> so we had a Croatian team in particular called the Dalmatian, which is the coast of Croatia. <laughs> and they would play against the Germans and the Italians and the Albanians and the English and the Turkish and sure. the Russians on and on and on. And South Americans and Caribbeans. I mean, it was in New York, so it was a melting pot. You had a mini World Cup almost. Literally, you had a mini World Cup going on. Um, sometimes things got a little <laughs> bit, a little bit out of hand. Um, a couple of red you, cards. A couple of red cards. Um, <laughs> you know, a couple of poor refereeing decisions, but you know, it yeah. happens. And um, but that's another lesson for me to understand the passion that comes with the sport, right? Because yeah. these guys were working full time jobs. Um, we, we were, I was a son of immigrants. Like my dad was working two jobs at the time. Mom was working. I lived with my grandparents. They watched me a lot. They worked. That was just what we did. So when yeah. Sunday came, it was time to have fun and go play a soccer game. Yeah. And that usually meant going out afterwards and catching up with everybody and families would get together and go to the social club, have a couple of drinks. And it was just, it was a whole day. Right. Yeah. And, and, but it united the families and it was always part of our community, um, impact. So those were like the really, really um, early memories. Um, I just became a fan of all sports through that. So as I got older, we moved to New Jersey. I was about 10 years old. Now we're in the suburbs. And to to us, that was kind of like the sticks. <laughs> Little did I know, I'd be keep moving further, further south and, and west further, yeah. um, in the future. <clears throat> but at the time, we moved to a suburban town called Florham Park, New Jersey. Um, really big town for football, basketball, and baseball. And New Jersey itself was a soccer hotbed. But... Our little Flown Park was certainly not a soccer hotbed. We yeah. barely had a league. We had a few coaches that were, you know, some coaches from other countries that started kind of the youth soccer organizations. And my dad came in and immediately started coaching and kind of trying to elevate um, the, the level of play that we had there. And I played for the local teams, and it was fun. We had a great time. We were decent. We had a few players, but it was a, definitely an immature soccer market, let's say. But uh, fast forward... Uh, one of the biggest changes that happened in my life was about at the age of 13, maybe 12, um, a young gentleman from Manchester, England, moved in to Florham Park, New Jersey. His name was Jake Edwards. Um, at the time, he just had long hair and he wore these cool boots and he was like a... Jake Edwards actually had hair. He didn't just look like me his whole life. This is why I brought it up. <laughs> Sorry, Jake. But he did. And... Um, and I realized there is another soccer crazy family that just moved into town. Yeah. Now, again, I didn't, as you're a kid, right? You just say, oh, cool, we'll go play more soccer and have fun. Sure. You don't think about what the future means. <clears throat> we'll get to probably in another episode later on where that reconnection kind of continued. But that was how Jake and I met. And we started playing in our youth leagues together. Um, <clears throat> ended up going to a high school called Hanover Park High School. Yeah. Um, not necessarily a soccer hotbed, but uh we um, ended up having some great teams, and Jake and I both went on and played college soccer. Um, I went on and played at Seton Hall. Jake went on to James Madison University, and he uh, ended up playing plenty years in England in it professionally. So throughout all that time, <clears throat> we stayed in touch. We stayed connected. Yeah. And um, yeah, I got to kind of from afar, I played one year of professional soccer in, in the USL League. Jake clearly had the better professional career. Yeah. Probably about 12 years in England at all levels. So um, tremendous career. While he was doing that, he was always thinking about the future <clears throat> and how to get onto the business side of soccer. And so that was always um, an area I knew that he had a lot of passion. After I kind of stopped playing, I, I spent most of my time working in my professional career, spending time with family, um, got married to 
a wonderful lady named Marcy, met in college at Seen Hall, um, <clears throat> had two kids, Christian and Nico, and um, I was coaching and kind of staying involved in the game. And so I absolutely love that. You know, you talked a lot about the the community and how the game united uh, kind of the community where you grew up and, and just that was where you kind of first got exposed. Um, can you talk about, you know, your connection to, you know, NWA a little bit and, and what you kind of thought and some of the differences in the area and, and yeah. maybe what was different, maybe not missing, but different in, in the community versus where you were kind of used to and, yeah. and kind of your, I'll, your background. I'll answer that by just going back for a second. Yeah. So when I played at scene hall, um, I played for a legendary coach. His name was Manfred Schellscheidt, um, yep. German coach. He was actually the first license, a licensed coach in America. So every coach that gets an A license has a number. I don't know what we're up to, 5,000 or more, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's A1. And so he, he was literally like the, the godfather, the OG of U.S. <laughs> soccer in the 60s where soccer was really in its baby infancy stages, right? So the reason I talk about him is because he became really the second biggest influence on my life when I went to Seton Hall. He was a soccer purist at its heart. Loved the game. Everything was for the game. And if you love the game, the game will love you back, was what he always used to say. I love that. And, I love and that. I'm a firm believer because I do think almost everything that has happened in my life has, beca has been because of the game. In some way, even things in my professional career, there's been contacts or lessons that I learned or different ways that I would deal with a scenario because of God, that's so experiences true in the game. It's so true. And so every discussion with Manny, and, and we could have a podcast about Manny, which we won't do, but um, there, um, he will, everything is related back to life. We'd be sitting at lunch at the scene hall cafeteria and he would have the salt and pepper shakers and diagramming maybe soccer scenarios or maybe life decisions, you know, <laughs> and you just never knew where the life he was a very deep philosophical man. And what I, what I took from that was the, the, the game and his approach to coaching was very much about the player expression and, and the player's driving the game and dictating the game, reading the game, making their own decisions yeah. versus most of the American sports model is different. The coach is very involved and very engaged. You have set plays in football and basketball and soccer. The coach just has much less influence than he does in any other sport. And so he wanted to prepare the players to be able to solve their own problems in games. And that was a, that was, that was a game changer for me. So, I had this opportunity to get exposed to people like Manny Shellshed because I grew up there, who was a mentor of Bob Bradley, a mentor of Jesse Marsh, and this yeah. amazing tree. Big names. And when I came here, you know, I, I, I this is guess the Northwest Arkansas part, you know, there was a, a, a level of, of soccer that just wasn't to what I was used to. It's right. just because we had so many years of a head start um, in New Jersey. And so um, I always, when I moved here, which was 2007, um, the day the promenade opened up. That's how I remember oh, wow. when I moved. Yeah. And, uh, I had thought we'd be here for 18 months. Our neighbors came yeah. down. That's right. That's right. Look, perfect. We'll talk about that later. Yes. Sneak peek. <laughs> and, uh, moved down here like a lot of others. We were supposed to be here for 18 months. I worked for Bayer at the time. And, um, that 18 months ended up being quite a long time. And we choose to live here and raise our family here and absolutely love it. Like us and like many others that have come to Northwest Arkansas. Yep. Some of the challenges I had though, as much as we loved it, was um, one of the things was not having professional sports. 
right? That was always something back in my brain. I never knew um, that we'd be talking about it. Um, yeah. But there was something that always bugged me about traveling to Kansas City to go watch professional sports, driving to Dallas, to Memphis for basketball, got to Tulsa and Oklahoma City for other events, um, St. Louis. And, We've all done it. And we have. And you and I, I mean, we live in a, in a pro sports desert, no. right? Yes. Um, soon to be no longer. We're trying to work to change that. But, you know, this is the land of the Razorback. Um, and you and I actually, we found out today, uh, actually, or maybe yesterday it was, but we were talking about it. And you and I share that we, our, our uh, universities didn't have college football. That's right. Um, and so I don't know if you had a similar experience, to, but for me, it was really easy to kind of come in and you get wooed, right? And, and just uh, in awe uh, from what is SEC football country um, and the pageantry, right? And the tradition and, and what it's like on game day and how amazing that is. And it truly is. Um, and so you kind of, for me, I almost kind of forgot a little bit about the fact that we didn't have pro sports because I grew up in, in DC area, Washington, DC and Maryland. Um, so I had, you know, Baltimore, I had the Orioles, I had the Capitals, I had DC United for soccer, uh, in major league soccer. And so when I came here and not having college football and I got to have that experience right out of school, I kind of forgot a little bit about that. We live in a pro sports desert. And I don't know if you had some kind of that similar experience and you got kind of, you know, it was great to, to rally around the Razorbacks and feel a part of the community that was here. Um, and maybe how that's evolved over time and, you know. Yeah, I was pissed. <laughs> like, nope, I didn't have that feeling. Yeah, I was no, mad. I was, I was really, <laughs> it took me a while to get over that um, because it just was such a big part of my life yeah. and my family's life. And I took my kids to many sporting events, right? It wasn't just soccer. Like yeah. we, had, we had like 10 pro teams in our area that we could go see from baseball to football to hockey to co- you know to yeah. college sports as well but we had the added benefit of having all that variety yeah hockey it was was uh, not the most popular sport but it was a great sport to go watch Such it's a great so exciting right sport to watch. you know and then you know we were i was lucky when i was really young that my father w- took me to cosmos games mm. and i was really young i mean i don't remember them except for pictures but i have pictures of paley's last game at the meadowlands wow where or i think it's still this might not be People oh, can fact check now. Really People can, by the way, <laughs> do. People can fact check this, but I believe there was a period of time where it was the most attended game at Meadowlands history, which is the old MetLife Stadium, because okay. they violated the fire hazard. And so I think the official number was like seventy-eight thousand, and right. they had like eighty-three thousand oh, people wow. just were walking in and sitting in the Shoulder stairs and, and hallways because it was literally Pele's last game, right? Yeah. And so those were again just little memories for me and moments that probably just sat in my brain and, and kind of led us to where we are today. But um, in Northwest Arkansas, and we moved here, that was definitely a challenge, right? I, yeah. I go, I am a season ticket holder for the basketball program for the Razorbacks. I love it. I go to all the football games. It's awesome. Like we all love it. It's fun. It's passion for it. It's great. Yeah. Um, but we also want a diversity of options, right? Mm-hmm. And, and especially for um, a community like ours that has so many transplants, not just nationally, not just regionally, nationally, but globally. Yeah. There's one game that kind of fills that for everybody, right? It's called the global game. For it's called the global game, the beautiful game, you know, or game of soccer or football or whatever people call it. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, it's an internationally recognized game. And, and so it really does unite. And so, you know, we went through that period of traveling everywhere. I'm sure you did it. And a lot of listeners that, uh, did the same thing. Um, and so we, 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 let's fast forward a little bit to, uh, 
get back to where yeah. the Jake connection comes back. Cause yeah. I think this is, this is where it kind of started. Um, we were, we were actually fortunate enough. So I talked about my Croatian background I was gonna say, in 2018 yeah. world cup, um, yep. is where I'll, where I'll pick up because I was, uh, in Croatia for a family vacation. We intentionally planned it around the world cup. Now, smart people know now <laughs> that Croatia's pretty good. But in like 2017, yeah. we were good, and we had a young guy named Luka Modric or middle-aged guys at that time, yeah. and stars, and like we had a legitimate program. But we had we were a country of four million people. Like we're not going to get to the semifinals. We're not going to get to the quarterfinals. Maybe right? That would be a great run. And so I was fortunate because 2018 I didn't have it. But most World Cups, I have two World teams to root for: get their American team and and a family background with the Croatian team. Right. 2018, we only had one. So I was all in on Croatia <laughs> and we were in Europe watching games, which if anybody ever gets a chance to go to Europe or go to you know, South America and watch a game or actually go to a World Cup game, you could care less about the sport. There's nothing like it. No. And so I was very fortunate through my network of, of soccer contacts. I had a really, really um, amazingly lucky experience that um, a good friend of mine named Chris Unger, who played at Princeton under Bob Bradley and also coached by Manny Shellscheid. That tree kind of comes back into my life, the game that you love, you know, loves me back. Mm-hmm. And he um, was able to get me tickets to the semifinals when Croatia advanced um, into play England. And England was just super hot. Like they were they gonna were. win this thing. And there was zero chance. So most people plan for a year to go to the World Cup. I planned it in three days from Croatia. <laughs> we flew to Greece to get into Moscow. Oh, wow. And we had to, and I took my son, um, so that was six years ago. He was probably 13, yeah, maybe 14 going into high school. And we had an amazing experience. Um, and Croatia ends up winning that game in the semifinals, big shock, late goal. Um, and I had flights booked back the next day to Croatia to meet my family, to come back to America, back. right? That was our keep the, keep the trip back to the States in that intact. Long story short, a couple phone calls. Hey, Marcy. Croatia won again. <laughs> she was like, I just assumed you were staying. Why are you even talking to me? And so that was a done deal. Chris Unger comes through again, take us to the finals. Wow. Absolutely amazing. So now we're at the World Cup finals with my son. We're wearing our Croatian jerseys yep. and we were get to the game like four hours before. We're going to completely soak this atmosphere up. We met people from six continents of That's the world nuts. that came to us and took pictures with us. They thought we were, yeah, were celebrities. Yeah. And of course, you know, I played it up a little bit. Like I knew Luka Modric and he is from Zadar, Croatia. I'm from there, all this stuff. Yeah. It was just, it was, it was a little <laughs> PR, but it was amazing. I mean, I literally, again, it hit me for one of the repeat moments in my life where yeah. this game truly is open and accessible for any walk of life, any socioeconomic background, any demographic. Uh, we had people from the most countries that had, were represented were Brazil, Mexico, some of the countries you would think they just sure. came to be at the World Cup final. But then, I mean, you have countries like um, Guam and yeah. multiple countries in Africa, yeah. um, uh, Middle Eastern countries, um, numerous amount of Chinese people. Um, yeah. I mean, it was really, really just amazing. And everybody wanted a picture with us and the flag and selfies. Mm-hmm. And we were playing France, clear favorite, the best team. Croatia ended up losing. We won't talk much about that game, but just to be there was amazing. And so this is now the memories that I have with my father. Now I get to kind of do this with my son, this is my oldest son, Christian. And I left there going, this is, this is just, there's nothing that will ever top me in a World Cup final. Yeah. And so that's why I tell everybody, if you ever get a chance, go to a World Cup game, if you ever get lucky enough 
get to a quarter semis finals, even no matter what country's playing, yeah, you'll feel the passion in about three seconds. Yeah. And um, you know, it's pretty amazing. And so that really started getting me thinking about how do we get something even more amazing than what we have here in Northwest Arkansas. And so we were um, 2019, February 2019. Mm -hmm. This is the first time I publicly talked about bringing any kind of professional soccer teams in Northwest Arkansas. And so we were um, we had a uh, Hanford Park alumni game. We're in Flo back in Florham Park, New Jersey now, and we're at the Thirsty Turtle. Excellent and excellent place. Ever been there? Good plug. <laughs> and uh, Jake and I, Jake Edwards and I, are, are having a chat, having a beer, and talking about how great we used to be and how much we're hurting right now. As and we all do. As we all do, right? <laughs> and uh, we were sore and had everything. And, and that's where I kind of started to talk about this amazing place called North of Arkansas. Jake knew a little bit about it because I lived there and with our family, so he was aware. But I said, this is this is an absolutely perfect market for you know, professional sports. And I think soccer would be a great way to get this thing started. And, um, you know, initially was, well, not so sure. Let me go back and talk to my people and yeah, look yeah. at some demographics. We're looking at bigger markets kind of approach kind of the same situation yeah. and conversation that you have when you tell people where you're from and traveling oh yeah i mean i've heard of it but you have to sell know. it we go into oh. selling mode right yeah 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 exactly home of walmart sure. fastest growing region and all these has things right elevator pitch ready for when That's they're right. traveling right so. and so i was fully prepared so i prepped for this meeting and i yep. did my research on the usl i already started pulling our demographic data yeah median income young households um, ton of transplants. You were ready. You were ready. I, I was ready to make the sales pitch over the beer. That, and um, and it apparently know. worked because in about a week, they called me back and said, you know what? This really is an amazing market. Yeah. We love to come and do a market analysis. And that's literally how we started. So February 2019 uh, led to a first market visit, which I think was about May of 2019. Okay. And, and that was, um, you know, really the investigation of the market. Like, is this is what Chris telling us true. Yeah. Right? And so yeah. we had we had four or five USL executives that came in um, to the market, spent a few days here, um, went from all the way up from Centerton and Bentonville down through Rogers and Springdale and Lowell and down to Fayetteville and Fort Smith. And this was the helicopter ride, right? There was some helicopter ride that apparently I was excluded from. Still a little bitter about that, but we'll have, we, to, we'll uh, have to get it done here. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> we're coming for you, Jake. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and so that really led to them being very excited, right? They started to really feel what we all feel. We always say this about people. When you talk about Northwest Arkansas, you sell it and you have the points and you talk about how great it is and it's a great quality of life and we love living here. We're never leaving. You come here and you don't move out, all these things. 38 people a day, you're moving in. We have all the stats. Um, but nobody really feels it until they come here. Yeah. Like you no. you have family members that have probably done the same thing. I yeah. have, right? Yep. We could tell them everything. You send them pictures, send them data, articles. Yep. It doesn't matter. They have to come and see it. And two days, almost everybody falls in love with it, right? Yep. And that's why we love it. And so that's what happened. And they came and um, that really kind of started the whole process of how do we make North of Arkansas a USL professional soccer market? At that time, it was literally an idea. It was a crazy idea, I thought. In fact, the first person that I talked to in Northwest Arkansas, frankly, told me it was a really bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, man, you know, and like a lot of entrepreneurs that probably have a lot of ideas and pitching things, you're going to get some good and bad feedback. And um, I think from that, I, I learned that you know, uh, it's not just soccer 
right? Soccer yeah. is the vehicle to get to something like this here, right? Absolutely. The bigger story and the the bigger opportunity for the region is exposure, bringing professional yeah. sports, a pathway for youth, economic development, national exposure, games are broadcast on ESPN Plus and ESPN, right? There's multi-use facilities, right? We'll get into all of this down the road. Yeah. But that's that's really what this is. We're just happy to use in the beautiful game to do it, but we're really trying to make North of Arkansas a better place to live, work, and play, right? We always say that. that yeah, line. but it's true. But it's true. This is about communi- the community, and we're making the community where we live, work, and play better, and we're using soccer as the vehicle to do that. Uh, and it's the perfect one because, like we've talked, it, it knows no boundaries, and it brings people together. Uh, it knocks boundaries down for some people, right? Um, so that I think is just a perfect segue to kind of cut it for, for, uh, for today, but we'll have you back, uh, and, and keep talking about, you know, kind of the, the story of how, how you brought pro soccer to Northwest Arkansas.